Welcome to Lock and Key Unlocked, a podcast about Lock and Key on Netflix and the comics it came from. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on this episode, we are kicking off the final season wow. of Lock and Key on Dude, Netflix. you got to say final rather like we can't even enjoy the new season before you put the final on it. I mean, uh, I like sorry, final. Man. I like to feel the stakes high. Mm-hmm. Like this show is always quite stressful for our main characters <laughs> who are also yeah. children. Yes, uh, and still surprisingly look like children because I believe they filmed this back-to-back with season two. So sad to see the show go, but bully for them for not having the Stranger Things problem of film Wolfhard growing 13 feet taller between seasons. Bully for them, we say. (laughs) Slap it on the package, bully for them. I bet they make them sleep with books on their heads. Oh, yeah, they're doing the whole bonsai thing, clipping down Jocks and Robert Scott to make them uh, stay the same uh, size. Yeah, they had big meetings about how do we keep these kids tiny, and that, they figured it out. <laughs> nice. Bully Use for them, the again, I say. Cl- Bully for them, I yes. say. Well, let's introduce this real quick. So we're going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 1, The Snow Globe, which is on Netflix now. If you haven't watched it, go check it, because spoilers, ho. But go brief, check it. Brief Wait, overview. Alex, of- sorry, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but have you been yeah. replaced by like the sort of British... Uh, doppelganger or something? Well, I did You're, take the wait. lift to this podcast and ate some crisps on the way up. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. That's that all very British stuff. So Is I don't it? know what... You've changed. These kids well, haven't changed, but the, you've changed. The crisps had different flavor, and I'm spelling that with a U after the O. I just wanted to ah, Yeah, I can hear oh, every right. U you're adding to all these words, <laughs> and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so a brief bit of recap here. We are checking back in with the Locke family. It's several months down the road from where we left them in season two. They think they've been triumphant against the demons, and they were, at least against Dodge and Eden. For a minute. But they don't know about Captain Frederick Gideon, who is back thanks to the Echo Key, thanks to Eden's shenanigans. She is lying dead at the bottom of the well. And in Uh. this episode, we get introduced to a new key, which I guess we're going to call the Snow Globe Key, as Nina, who now knows about magic, unlocks it with Bodhi. Bodhi ends up trapped there thanks to two demons who were left in the Snow Globe. We'll we'll loop back to that in a second. Uh, By the end, they have seemingly defeated those demons by throwing them into a mirror with the mirror key, but Captain Frederick Gideon now knows about the power of the keys. And not only that, by the end of the episode, seems like he can open up portals to the demon dimensions simply by holding the keys himself. Uh, it seemed yeah. like he was smushing them together with his bare hands. That's yes. what Well, up the uh, hold on, hold on. I want to come back to that. The last little yeah. bit of recap that I'll mention, though there's a lot else going on in this episode, is we have a couple of characters who are staying away and a couple of characters are returning. Tyler is still on his walkabout. He's working construction with a lady that really wants to get As with him. As you do. And he does not yeah. want to get with her. Up in the air, whether Having remember- worked construction in my life, uh, I found that particularly fictional. <laughs> but we don't know whether he remembers magic or not. As you may remember, he is turning 18, the time when you start to forget magic. So that's TBD. And oh. also Ellie... And Rufus are back in Matheson, so that's a big return as well. Lots more to talk about in the episode. Lots more going on. Uh, But, Pete, I actually want to start there because you are, I think, the number one Rufus fan. What was it like to see him back on the show? Oh, it was huge. I was very excited. I started clapping immediately as soon as you saw him on screen. It's a big big return. Uh, Although there were some things in there that I was a little kind of like, 
oh, I wonder why they did that, you know, when it comes to Rufus. But uh, well, we I wish we had a podcast where we could talk about those things. Unfortunately, yeah. we don't. So let's move no on. No time for that. Okay, Bully great. for yeah. you, Pete. No, yeah. Pete, <laughs> Pete, talk about it. What are the things that you weren't sure about with this? Well, I, I, you know, I thought we would break it down in different sections. But OK, so with sure, Rufus, the first section is we're talking about Rufus. And OK, great, great, great. Yeah, let's keep uh, <laughs> doing this more. Uh, I think that it's a little crazy that if you're going to show a comic book panel, that you don't have, I don't know, maybe one of the greatest artists of all time draw that fucking panel and give oh, a see. little homage to why we're here. Are I you see you're mad. <laughs> kidding me? So wow. in the episode, we do get to see, I always forget what it is. It's not Squadron Supreme. Uh, the the comic that Rufus draws, you're going to look it up, Justin? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But in the comic, Rufus draws a comic. In the comic, we've also right. seen a little bit of it on the show. So this is the same art they previously used on the show there. I understand what you're saying, but I don't think Rufus could draw like Gabriel Rodriguez. So I guess that didn't yeah. bother me as much uh, as it bothered me. I mean... In a lot of ways, Pete, it's sort of insulting to Gabriel Rodriguez that a kid who doesn't have any experience in training would be drawing at the same uh, level. That, I hear that you. you. I uh, completely agree. But in a show that's based on one of the, one of the greatest comic books of all time, uh, drawn by one of the greatest artists of all time, please just give me a little fucking something. Uh, give you come on. Maybe I you say you've, like, you've here's really... what I drew. But uh, this is, you know, and then maybe have his art next to it or something. I mean, get, you know, I mean, you're showing comics panels and, and it's. Uh, I just think you've really offended Gabriel Rodriguez. And I hope he doesn't. I was trying to come for you. Honor his legacy. I'm trying so to do the just opposite. to just to sum up before we move on to other parts, Pete, you think Gabriel Rodriguez draws like a child oh uh, and God. other things we should uh, on the other side of the plot line, though, I think. This was great. I really liked how they treated Ellie returning the scene with them in the diner with the town, like knowing that she's been missing and know she's back, even yeah. though there's a Love. reasonable explanation for it. I, I really liked like the way that Sherry Som, who plays Ellie, the way that she was playing the trauma of this experience where you have this magical reason and then you have the realistic reason. But I think they made a, did a good job of making it work in both aspects. Also, I loved all the hugs. You know what I mean? Like people super excited to see her and her kind of like not sure how to feel about it during the hug. I thought it was uh, completely adorable. Uh, and yeah, I, it's interesting the role that they sort of occupy in this episode. They seem stressed to be back um, sure, in town. Sure, well, who and wouldn't be? That's what I'm saying. So they, they feel I, – I, I worry for them as always. I worry for Ellie. Um this episode feels like it's going to be a bit of a return to form uh, with some of the comic book references. Mm -hmm. um, I think Sparrow feels like it's oh, coming. Oh, my uh, God. Great I if mean, you first haven't read off, the, that you great see, comic issue. Yeah, I mean, the Calvin and Hobbes issue was one of the great issues of this run. And then you see the Sparrow uh, and the cat, and that was really cool. But then you got the evil, creepy guy grabbing the bird at the end and squishing with his bare hands. I mean, that's foreshadowing and I'm fucking scared about it. Yeah. So just to wrap this up for anybody who only watches the show and hasn't read the comic. I though, mean, come on, course, just pick up the comic. It's really, yes, you're it, not going to be, it looks like it's drawn right. by a child. Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> <Is that> your... <laughs> uh, no, it, it's great. This is one of the greatest issues of the comic is Sparrow. We do get to see the animal key here in the door that they come through. That's what Bodie and Kinsey are playing with. And I love, if we're going to jump over to that, I love like, 
I think this is what you're getting at, Justin, the sense of play that is back with the keys. There was so much darkness and it was so intense the last yeah. season. It does feel like a little bit of a reset. And I don't, I know Pete's going to be insulted by me saying this, but this first episode back just in total felt like it was a little bit of a slower play than the last season. Like it was a little bit of table setting. It was like, okay, Naturally. you know, yeah, we got rid of the big Thank bad you, guy. Uh, and here we're back. You know, so they're not expecting the danger is coming for them once again in the season. And I, I like that place. Like, I was a little surprised to see that because of the balls to the wall pace of the, of the season two. But here, taking it a little slower and playing it a little slower uh, before it ramps up the end there, I thought was very cool. Yeah, well, and I think uh, two things. Well, first thing, it's Squadron Strange. Um, ah. So very similar. Um, and uh, Rufus's um, comic book um, and the character that he later sort of becomes. Um, and uh, the I think the sense of play you're talking about is a lot because Nina is basically a Bodhi, a second Bodhi mm-hmm. in this episode. And I, I think that's really fun to give her the chance to be that kid falling in love with the danger and excitement of the keys and messing up like like you see Kinsey being like, oh, mom, why did you do this? <laughs> like it, the whole roles have flipped. The fact that she's in the know is so much more fun than her constantly being, you know, lost basically. And the, the, the things her kids are going through is really cool. Um, uh, but back on, on Rufus and Ellie, I think Rufus did grow. Uh, no doubt about that. Oh, yes. yeah. Well, he was much uh, taller last season as well. Like he sprouted yeah. up between season one and season two. So he's. He's basically the size of two Bodies at this point. Yeah, 100%. Seeing them playing together will be fun. Um, but uh, yes, I am sort of stressed for their role in this season as um, outliers that are going to be brought in at perhaps dangerous points. But I think that's great. Like, uh, we love Rufus for the comics. He's such a huge character to the endgame and everything that's going on. To have him back in town, even if it is like, why would they come back here? You know, logically, yeah. why they come back here? I don't know if that makes sense, but it also doesn't matter because, like we're saying, having Rufus with Bodhi is what's fun. Having Ellie with yeah. Nina is what's fun, and it's uh, it's going to be more interesting to watch and have them be part of this end game since they were so important to everything that went on in season one. Uh, why don't we talk about Kinsey since we touched on her because she, like you're saying, Justin is definitely like more adult this season. She is. She's the boss. Yeah, she's the, she's boss. the boss. And she I'm is. Like, Amelia Jones is a boss. Go ahead. The boss. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, mom being a uh, Bodhi thing. It's really great to have mom in the mix. You know what I mean? I feel like it's, it's a fun choice, but it's also super stressful because she doesn't know what she's doing as much. And, you know, from now on, guys, let's just wait for everybody before you start fucking using keys. You know what I mean? Everybody. Like, don't just- I, I just have a quick question. If I had said, well, we touched on Nita, let's talk about Nita, <laughs> would you have started talking about Kinsey? Yeah. yeah. Nope. Nope. Oh, I was just okay. Okay. Alex, Kinsey's a key boss, and you're not. This is actually a little something that I like to call the Kinsey test, which is finding out what Pete's going to talk about. Smart. Interesting. Kinsey. All right. Well, let's talk about Nita then, since that's what you want to talk about, Pete. Uh, I just want, he's brought something up, and I was just totally. Yes. Absolutely. It's fine. But this rehearsal is going really well. There is, listen, it's the first episode back after a while. We got to roll into it. We don't do frequent podcasts or anything, so we're a little rusty. 
You're a little rusty. Like Dorothy and Ada, you're a little rusty. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I was uh, jumping to another topic. Uh, <laughs> no, but let's talk about Nina real quick. Um, like I said, I think her sort of uh, childlike wonder at this is great. And she is a badass. She throws those demons into the mirror like nobody's business. I I love that. And I love that moment of callback of seeing herself wave to herself in the mm-hmm. mirror and her being like, nope, not doing that this no, time. I for that. Yeah, yeah no, that was thank great. you. Uh, so that's great. I love how these characters learn from the situation they've been in. And now, like we're talking about Nina, now that she remembers the magic, finally can learn. She's not stuck in the pattern. She can grow. And it's such a relief, once again, that she knows, not only she knows going forward, but she knows that she wasn't crazy going backward like it's just such a like a relief um i think for us as the viewer to be like oh yes good she's with them and we don't have to worry and wonder about what she's gonna how she will suffer because of what's going on well but that's the thing right is and i had a big feeling about that this episode like you touched on earlier all these characters are gonna suffer like we're getting like a fun episode to start off with with two demons that They dispatch pretty quickly, but Frederick Gideon is so much worse than they could possibly imagine. So he seems to be like the king of the demons, basically. So they don't know what's coming for them. And all of this stuff where we're setting up, Nina's pretty happy and she's having fun with the keys and Bodie's teaching her and Kinsey's like, oh, mom, I'm the mom of the house now. And even Tyler is like, I'm just, you know, doing my construction thing and I'm fine with that. They got stuff coming for them. Their lives are going to get wrecked by the end of the yeah. season. Oh, because the wedding, the seating arrangement for Hot Josh is going to be problematic. So let's <laughs> – all right. I need to – because I need to – I know this is going to activate right. me. I, I <laughs> need, let's up. All right, oh, I need <laughs> Hot Josh. Oh, no. I needed like last season. I needed like a little something because they were like, oh, yeah, the wedding. I was like – who the fuck's getting married? I was like, who, what is happening here? And then when it came to Josh, I was like, wait a second. Was this guy, I couldn't remember if he was good or bad or where he kind of fell. I needed a, I needed a Josh recap because I don't know, someone about him I didn't trust, but then I, I knew he was on our side for a little bit. And I was like, I can't remember where I, I know you guys were all about hot Josh. Well, you were, and this hot is Josh. just a recap. You were also all about him, Pete. No. Like, yeah. No, you were super into yeah. hot Josh no, and you kept talking no. about hot Josh. No, you said you don't remember. Him. So uh, I'm reminding you that. Yeah, yeah. We need to unlock the Pete's hot Josh. Because <laughs> you actually were like, I want to call him hotter Josh. Let's call him the hottest Josh. You were like, <laughs> no, make no. him hotter. And I was like, he's just hot Josh, Pete. And you kept pushing it. I was a little thrown with that scene when he came back because I I vaguely remembered from the end of season two, like, well, he left town forever. And then I remembered like, oh, no, he just went on a ski vacation with his daughter for like a weekend. And that was pretty much it. But it's and nice he to doesn't see know back. anything about anything. Also, he just has, has some connection to the Revolutionary War Matheson. And we haven't figured out what exactly that means. But he well, may his be, ancestor was there. But yeah. I do think there's more to unlock. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> P.O.S. P.O.S. Josh also comes in spouting nope. some crazy stuff because it's like. First off, we all know that dinosaur nuggets taste better than regular and fucking nuggets. I mean, that's just mm. fucking I mean, you, I don't know why you know, come in like hot like that. That's just ridiculous. You don't know why hot Josh is coming in hot. <laughs> I got news for you. It's the stubble. Uh, but let me say, Pete, when he said the line about the dino nuggets, 
I knew you were going to have a problem with it. I knew it right then and there. And you, like a magician, I'm opening an envelope and revealing that I had written down Pete's going to be pissed about the dino nuggets for some reason. I, I just, I hard disagree. Let me ask you a question. Have you gone back to the Museum of Natural History and tried the dino nuggets recently? Because they suck. They used to be good yeah. when I was a kid. Now, not. Oh yeah, for those listening, because dino nuggets are the recipe and not they're little pieces of bone that you eat right off the model in the <laughs> Natural History Museum. Take yeah. a bite of a dino nug. Yeah, if you ever go to the one in New York, you can just pull out whatever you want from any of the exhibits. It's like a like a buffet in Las Vegas. Yeah, in Las in any Vegas, case, it was nice to see Josh back. I love him having no hesitation, being like, "Yes, absolutely, I'm coming to the wedding. Let's do this. This is great. I'm back. I'm all in." So I thought that was nice, and I think he's probably going to die or something. <laughs> so. I hope so. What? You, you don't even know why you're mad at him anymore. <laughs> you forgot why you're I just mad. Don't trust him. Yeah, don't trust yeah. him. I do think we can trust him. I just think there's more story to tell with him, and I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. He was way well, he too does... in, into the house. It seems like he has a creepy motive. Don't trust him. It does seem like he has some sort of passion or even obsession with figuring out, finding the information that he's missing. And I think that might be his undoing at some point, it seems like. Yeah, potentially. His undoing is his interest in history. I agree. And same thing for all historians. Yeah. Yeah. They're reckless historians. Uh, Those who don't learn from history are not evil, is what I always say. And those who learn from history, evil. Yep. Dead. Uh, Dead, Highway to the danger zone. Uh, So that's, you know, why don't we move over to Kinsey? Is that okay, Pete? I think that's a great idea. Okay, great. So Kinsey has a lot of stuff going on. She's working with the Savinis. Uh, Her boyfriend, her BF, is gone, I guess, over at school. I wonder if he's going to come back anytime this season. No mention. No mention. Just going on with the CTVDs. And they're working with Gordy, a character who we met very briefly in the previous season, but seems like he's going to be a big deal going into this season. Um, what did you think about everything that was going on with her and with the Savinis? Um, to me, Gordy has um, a teacher of the dark arts from Harry Potter energy where he looks weird and uh, is like staring very intensely at everyone, but we don't know anything about him or what his deal is. So there's a, I want to put a pin in him just mentally this season because I think something will happen. And he was set up at the end of last season um, as being there in the past um, with the rest of the Locke family and the original uh, group of key wielders. So I think we're going to get, like we've talked about, some time travel uh, episodes, and I'm sure he'll play a part there. Yeah, I, I was happy to see uh, Doug back and uh, throwing his opinion around. That's fun. Also, I like the show within the show. It's fun to see the kind of like uh, uh, acting they're doing within the acting. I think that, that's just fun, uh, fun stuff with the monster movies. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that video turns out. I have a feeling it's not going to go the way we think it's going to go. Do you think the Savinis have sold out by taking the money to make the tourist video? No, because, you know, it seems like they're still going to put their artistic stamp on it, you know, so uh, I feel good about that. And do you think that um, anyone can replace um, Gabe's role in in the movie? And Kinsey's love life. 
Because yeah, you, were a big, famously, you, were, you were a big Ginzy shipper, right, Pete? No, nope, yeah. no, I was not. We've talked about it a lot. Let me just look through the podcast. Yeah. Yes, oh, you mentioned him all the time. Oh, you're just going to look real quick? Yeah. Oh, I have flip, a whole flip. running dialogue of all of everything we've ever said. <laughs> wow. Because I'm a professional. Got, that's a lot to keep track of. You're right. I like the place, like I was mentioning earlier, that Kinsey is in here. I appreciate the fact that she's learned from all these encounters she's had with these demons and immediately knows to grab the keys, knows how to track everybody down, is on top of it, is wary of everything that's happening. Uh, and I like her place in the family, too. You know, just all the texting scenes with Tyler were really nice. All the yeah. stuff with Nina was really nice. Uh, it's great. She's really stepping up. And just to touch on the Savinis briefly, love seeing them. I hope we get to see more of them this season because they're such fun For characters. Sure. And they got sidelined a little bit, I felt like, in season two. So I want to see them in the forefront, knowing what's going on, part of the action in season three. I just feel like their movie's getting a little bloated. Like, mm-hmm. where are we at with the story? It's a Whoa. classic Hollywood tale where oh, there's too many on. producers and it's just getting a little messy. Well, it, it's hard because you got a line producer and you got supervising producers. And who can tell the difference? You know what I mean? It just mm-hmm. seems like a lot of fancy names they throw around and who knows what they actually do. But my my point is, how <laughs> uh, dare you uh, attack them? <laughs> we, don't, we haven't seen uh, their finished product, so there's nothing that you should uh, be throwing around at them yet. So what Wait until you see it before you judge. I want to talk about the demon ladies a little bit because that seems like, I mean, Aiden first and Dorothy. All, yeah, Aiden there you go. Uh, they Wheeler. There feels like a lot more story to tell there because we just find them in the snow globe. We don't know how they got there. They do know who Frederick Gideon is and immediately pay fealty to him. So it feels like in terms of how they got trapped in that snow globe, uh, there's more story, I guess, is what I'm saying, just to repeat myself. But what did you think is going on there? What are your best theories about where they came well, from? Well, it's just a little disappointing that the mom is like, oh, yeah, this snow globe accidentally fell off. The It's like, no, obviously people keep their demons in snow globes. Like, you mm-hmm. really got to watch what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I mean... It- uh, I think <laughs> you just run out of gas. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm frustrated. Obviously, you keep demons in snow globes and you throw people into the mirror world. That's just how it works. So just come on. Yeah. Mom. And the snowflakes are never mind. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I do think the Wheeler sisters is something I've heard before. Isn't don't they make uh, like a gin or something in town? Oh, right. Uh, yes. So I, I do think they're a, they're a deep cut to something. And I think it's. These are contemporaries of uh, Gideon, so uh, I'm sure we're going to learn more about their history. And I feel like they are sort of the Chekhov's gun of the season. Keeping Ooh. them locked and loaded in the mirror world, they will mm-hmm. definitely come out. And I, I uh, disagree. The Chekhov's gun is going to be the chowder. That, you know, we got to check off chowder. Yeah, very Chekhov's famously, Chekhov said, "If you introduce chowder in the first act, you got to eat that in the third act." <laughs> <laughs> he did talk like that too. That was very progressive this time. But good call on the gin. Uh, that is a good little Easter egg throwback there. I think they're going to have to pull them out of the mirror dimension to get more information on Frederick oh, Gideon. Um, I also think in the comic books, we've talked about this on the podcast before, and anybody who's read the book knows about this, but. There's a storyline, the, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it, Clockworks, right, is the volume where Kinsey and Tyler travel back in time using a key in the house, but the way that they travel back in time is you're kind of like 
there, but nobody can see you, so you can't interact with anything. And they go back to Revolutionary War times, find out a lot of information about the keys and the beginning of the house. We've seen a lot of that on the show already, but I do think we're going to see that key in action, like you were saying, and some time travel. Uh, so whether they show up by being pulled out of the mirror dimension or alternately, we just see them back in time with Frederick Gideon uh, being turned into demons. Uh, yeah, there's more story to tell there is my point. And you noticed the uh, one of the sisters threw a clock at Kinsey and yeah. got mm-hmm. cut in half. And then she later um, healed it, it in the yeah. yeah. I love the casual use of the bending cabinet here, that they're just using it to store all of the keys. And Kinsey, without even referring to it, is like, yeah, taking these broken pieces of the clock, put it in the bending cabinet, wait a second, pull it out, all good. Dick, how she cut that clock clean in half. That was a hell of a job. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that in in an episode that was like sort of like just uh, easing back into the Matheson lock and key world, you know, Bodie was in real danger, and it was the kind of when the sisters left with the key. I was like, oh, I forgot this show really makes you feel mm. stuff like that, and it really makes the keys seem as dangerous as they are to the characters. And I think that's that's hard to do, and it's a testament to how great the uh, creative team on the show is. But Bodie almost died, so um, yeah. that was pretty stressful. When they found scared. him all curled up with like the snow on his eyebrows, it was so yeah. upsetting. He's yeah, cold. Like yes. Very cold. Absolutely. I thought he was dead. Oh. What would you have done really? if they killed Bodie in the first episode? Pete? <laughs> <laughs> Controversial. I Yeah, um, I would have really lost it. While we're talking about um, Bodie for a sec, I do think our we get some clues in the beginning of this episode about what we're going to see. We see a lot of the sparrows. Gideon later yep. grabs a sparrow out of the air for no reason and just crushes it. Oh, he knows. Um, he knows so, what's up. Like we said earlier, we're going to get um, the Sparrow issue of, of the original Lock and Key series. So if you haven't read that and don't mind some spoilers for what might be happening in this season, great comic that I'm excited we're going to get to. And we have our opening credits where we get a lot of little images of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, a bunch of keys in these opening credits, including the animal key bunch. and others. And I think the hourglass key was there as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to loop back to this because we still got to talk about Tyler. We'll get over to him in a second. But big spoilers for the comic books. Bodie does kind of die and they managed yeah. to bring him back using the animal key. Do you think that's something they could do and get away with on the show? Yes. A hundred percent. I think yeah. they're going to do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, no. You don't think so? Uh, I don't know. I think there's a difference in killing a kid in a comic book versus killing a kid on a TV show. Definitely. But yeah, I also but think this show goes pretty hard and they've yeah. already put sort of the, the danger mark on Bodie in this episode when he very stressfully <laughs> almost dies. Yeah, so I exactly. do think there are ways to do it that aren't as fraught as what you're talking about. And it was also pretty hilarious how uh, Bodie was like, I'm never going to play in the snow again. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we talk about Tyler, though, because he has this little side quest that he's going on. He, as we mentioned before, he's doing construction. He is being romanced by a pretty lady who really wants to get with him and not really returning Kinsey's texts, though sometimes that's, at least he's looking at them. That's pretty that's pretty upsetting. You know <laughs> that's what I mean? the important you gotta, part. You got to text texts. back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You well, he starts back. to. You see the three dots, and then he doesn't actually do it. There's so they know he's alive. Again. That's the important part. I always yeah, text my family proof of life once a day. Dots? 
You yeah, send him a couple of no, with the newspaper. I take a picture of me with the oh. newspaper so that they're alive. Oh, that's not creepy like, at all. Dad, you're downstairs. We know you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting across from me at breakfast. Justin, you were mentioning earlier that you work construction. Talk about the accuracy of this story. I also work construction. Oh, you did. Okay. okay. Well, Pete, right. feel free to lead us out in the uh, construction. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to As always, shout out your uh, construction experience as you're talking. Yeah. Um, but you were the foreman, right, Pete? No. The no, line the... foreman? <laughs> Supervising. <laughs> this is foreman. a deep cut. deep cut here, deep cut joke. But go ahead, Pete. Talk about the construction, I guess. Well, I'm just saying you don't see people uh, like her in the construction world. Oh, I okay. agree with uh, what Justin uh, was saying there. Well, Not typically. I mean, I would say there's very rarely as as much sexual tension on a construction site, uh, (laughs) for sure. Um, It's mostly just like truly terrifying conversations. She seems really cool. And I loved her line where it's like it's yabba dabba do time. I mean, that's just great. That's fun. Love yabba dabba do time. Yeah. Uh, But in general, Tyler seems truly lost um, in a lot of ways. The fact that he can't talk to his family. And I think really feeling if he has fully lost his understanding of the keys. It seems like it really left him. I mean, obviously, he had a lot of other horrible things happen to him last season that I'm sure are causing him damage. But I think we have to bring Tyler back in the fold, especially. We got to. It's too heartbreaking with, with to Nina have him out in the there. fold. Yeah, he's going to have to learn, relearn about the keys. I feel like he's definitely going to get back to town. Do you think he's going to come back to the wedding, like at the end of the wedding next episode, or is it going to be even later than that? I think wedding. The way his he sort of was uh, talking to um, the girl about the wedding feels like he will be back for it. Yeah. And well, leaving that also- house unfinished. So that's pretty shitty behavior. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, there are other workers there that could yeah, maybe exactly. pick up the slack. Nope. As it seems learned. to be just the two of them building this entire house. And they left, they left to go have some underage beers. So. Wow. I don't know. Man. Alex pissed. Yeah. Upset about this. This is the sort of uh, lax behavior that Pete lets go on his construction site, right, Pete? Hey, man, if you if you need a drink to be able to hammer, that's fine by me. Yeah, you need to get hammered to hammer. That's okay by me, Pete LePage, <laughs> line cool. foreman, cool foreman. I feel like I, I think I showed up to one of your sites and was uh, there was nothing being built, but everyone was like making out. It was sort of <laughs> it was more of a dating site than a construction site. That's right. Any other moments from the episode that you guys want to call out? Any other plot line? I think we covered pretty much anything, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, just um, Doug really talking shit uh, on set, um, which is a classic cameraman move. Um, uh, Let's see him check my notes. I just have hot Josh written here a bunch of times. I really like the uh, Kinsey saying like, hey, we got to kind of like stay together and we'll be all right. I mean, the, the selfie that she took with Bodie was absolutely adorable. And, um, that was, yeah, but I'm just going to throw it out there. That was a professional selfie. They did not take that selfie. <laughs> wow. What are you talking yeah, I'm about? sorry. I mean, I'm oh, seeing this oh. as a person who's terrible at selfies, but still. Okay. That's fine. But God forbid, uh, you know, a kid drawing a comic book panel can look okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't really really are you saying artists like gabriel rodriguez are basically taking selfies of uh comic book characters and that's how low you think of the art form oh my god selfies are the original comic book art Ooh, i don't know if that makes nice. sense but i gotta say it out loud because there we go 
It's sequential art because you often take like 15 of them to get uh, one good one. So overall, um, I thought a gr- – oh, you were going to say something else, Johnson? I was going to just dip into some speculation. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Oh, I just want one more thing. I, I really like Rufus saying I'm a man of the sea. I thought that was a cool line. That was a good line. Speculation, Justin, take it away. So we get Dorothy and Ada, and they're like, we got to get back to Gideon, the boss. Right. They get there, and he looks at them, and he starts ordering them around, but he also looks at them like, I don't know who you are. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing here? He takes the keys and – just stares at them by the fire and then eventually like Pete was saying mashes them together and then something happens so Gideon is a monster but he seems like right now an aimless monster and it Mm -hmm. feels like Dorothy and Ada may have pointed him toward the locks Uh, which was weird because where we left him off he seemed so much more with it and more powerful and kind of had a plan so it was kind of weird to see him like and, you know, I get it. Like camping out at night in a fire can kind of make you docile. You know, you just got a tent. So, like, well, I, I think to draw some lines here and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I do think he goes to the sea caves. He goes to where he opened the portal previously and he can't do it. So I think yeah. his plan was open the demon dimension, get my friends out, take over the world, classic demon behavior stuff. And he can't do it. So maybe that's why he's at a loss here, because no, without the sense. portal, he can't do all of that. The other thing that I thought was really interesting about the key scene and uh him holding the keys, I mean, is those are his friends or his minions or right. whatever they are that have been turned into these keys. So I wonder if there is an emotional thing going on there of like, how dare they corrupt my demon minions like this? You know, I wonder if we're or going he, to get into something like that. You could say kill them. I think they are yeah. sort of dead. So maybe maybe that is it. And maybe he, in the same way that Bodhi can hear the, the keys whispering, maybe he can hear them saying saying or screaming or something horrible mm-hmm. like that and that's where that's what's driving him i also wonder and i i think this is just parallel writing if so i don't think it's anybody ripping off anybody because of the production schedules but i do wonder if we're headed towards a stranger things season four ending type thing where he's opening up these portals all over the place like it does feel like we could be heading, yeah. spoilers obviously for Stranger Things here, yeah, but Jesus. Heading in, a, in, a, in a similar direction, if he could take these keys and turn them into portals or use them into open these portals all over Matheson, we could head towards an apocalyptic, giant demon portal, epic ending battle type thing here, which would be terrifying, but very cool. When I saw that portal open, I was thinking that, like, he's going to, if he has access to a portal, he can make as many foot soldiers as he needs right here. And we had a little bit of that last season happening, um, but I think with the demon key, but I think we're going to get a lot more of it based on his, in episode one, ability to access the demon dimension. Yeah. Before we wrap up here, why don't we talk about the key moment in the episode? Pete, what about you? What was your key moment in this episode? It was the uh, cat and bird uh, thing we saw in the front. It's uh, mm. it's going to be coming in huge later. So that was uh, yeah, a small piece of what's to come. Do you think uh, there's a significance to Kinsey being a cat? And Bodhi being a bird, yes. We know about the bird, but is there a cat situation happening here? Like, yeah, do you that, think Kinsey is going to maybe eat Bodhi? Is no. that what you're getting at? 
Yeah, you're talking about a Sylvester and Tweety situation? What are you <laughs> suggesting, Justin? What What are you I'm not, I'm not suggesting. suck at chess? What, 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 what's going on? I, I'm not saying, it seems to be making you angry when really aren't the Looney Tunes meant to bring joy? But the Sylvester and uh, Tweety situation, no, I'm not saying that at all. I think maybe okay. a, a Cats, the musical situation, uh, oh. Tum Tugger type oh. thing. Oh, okay. Sure, could be. I, I hope not. Check out that butthole, man. You know what I'm talking about? Nope. Yeah. Mm, I, you do say that a lot, and I never it could mean a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah. um, What's your key moment, never Justin? Uh, I it's tough. There's a there's a lot of setting the stage for things here, um, but I'm gonna go with um, the the sisters trapped in the mirror dimension. Feels like I said like something that will spring out later, and just Gideon. Opening that portal at the end is going to be uh, trouble coming down the road. Yeah, that was the, that was the big one that I was going to call out. That feels like the main thing for this season because, like, we're talking about what is Gideon's plan? What is he going to do? Well, if he could open up Dune portals everywhere, he's going to want those keys in order to do it, and that sends him right at the locks and potentially is a reason for Tyler to come back to town. And I do think he is a villain that we don't know any motivation, really. He's just so far been evil. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we're going to get that filled out with some of the time traveling we've talked about and Hot Josh's um, deep dive, dangerous deep dive into history. Well, I also think that, you know, if they do start bringing demons back and need bodies that – uh, poor lady at the bottom of the well there. She's going to get reanimated by a different team. God, I hope so. She was twisted around. The way they had yeah. Eden lying down there, I was like, oh, my God. She is in the wrong direction. Yeah. Just her I bottom half and her bad. top half facing opposite ways. Like, that's Bendy, though. Like, good for her. Halea Jones, we had her on our she, live podcast once. She's she's Bendy. She worked all season to get that Bendy. <laughs> yeah, to turn her bottom half uh, 180 degrees. If you want to learn how to do that and support our podcast, <laughs> patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, There's no more show. flexible guys in the podcast than <laughs> the three of us. That is for yeah, sure. If you want to talk to flexible people, podcasters is the way to go. Very flexible. We do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to broadcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to talk to you about Lock and Key, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Lock and Key Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, keep it locked right here. Bully for you!